Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. The scripture says that the wicked people suffer because of their sin. They suffer. And so if you're going through a storm today, but you're living in sin, don't go out and rebuke the enemy. Confess your sin and get back to God. Because what you're doing is God is allowing, even though this is his love, he's allowing these circumstances to come into your life to make it so miserable, you're finally going to say, I'm not doing right. I better get back to God. Have you ever been in a situation where you really had to trust in God, where you had to exercise true faith? Well, that's what we'll be talking about today. Relying on God, not just in the easy times, but also in the hard times. You see, it's easy to say that we trust God when things are good, when we have our health, our finances are sound, when we're secure and on track with our goals. But what happens when a wrench gets thrown in? What happens when the things of this world let you down? Where do you turn to? Who do you trust? Well, as Christ followers, we're to cry out to Jesus. He is our great provider. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verse 45, for part one of our message entitled, Keep the Faith, Help is Coming. morning we're going to focus our teaching on the disciples and their trip across the lake but why did Jesus dismiss the crowd and then why did he go to pray alone with God the Father well Mark doesn't give us the whole story sometimes we have to pick a look at a few of the other Gospels because they add their own ideas or what they saw as they were there and in John chapter 6, and don't turn there, I'll just read it to you this morning. John tells us why Jesus did these things. It said this, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, he withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Well, what does that mean? It means this. The crowd, after being fed miraculously, they knew there was five loaves and two fishes, 10,000 people. The crowd who had been following him finally said, this is the Messiah who is to come. This is the guy. It couldn't be anybody else. Who could do these miracles? It had to be God himself. This is him. Jesus sensed the danger because what they were then going to do, the crowd, was this. They were going to say, if you have the power to take those five loaves and two fishes and feed all of these people, then certainly you have the power to take care of Rome who is over us politically. Come on, Jesus, set up your earthly kingdom now. We're ready for you to do what we need you to do. Now, the people thought that the kingdom that was coming, that Jesus Christ was going to bring, was an earthly kingdom. They've missed it by a few thousand years. Eventually, it will be an earthly kingdom, but it was then going to be a heavenly kingdom. He was going to go back, and they were going to be left here. They didn't get it. So Jesus knew that he couldn't stay around here because these people were going to do one thing. Try to defer or deter Jesus from his trip to the cross. 
You see, Satan is always trying to get us off of God's plan onto our plan. Or we start listening to men instead of listening to God. So Jesus says, "Mm -mm, this is dangerous. You know, it could be prideful. If you're standing in front of 10,000 people, they're going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You say, well, that wouldn't affect Jesus. Well, sure it did. He's just like you and I. He didn't desire to be hated. He loved to be loved. But he knew it was the wrong thing to do. Now, why did he send the crowd away so that they wouldn't do this? Why did he send his disciples away? Two reasons. The first is they didn't get it either. In fact, you remember in Acts chapter 1, the disciples, Jesus is going back to heaven. They're saying, Are now, is now the time you're going to set up the kingdom? They still didn't get it either. So Jesus sent both of these groups away. Then he does something very unusual to us, not to him. He goes to a mountain to pray by himself. You see, this last day we looked at, if you just take that last 24 hours, was incredibly busy. Jesus had healed, he ministered supernaturally, done all of these things. He ministered to his disciples, and the busyness of the day drove him to prayer. I find basically the opposite in my life. The busyness of my life drives me away from prayer. How about you? I don't have time to pray. There's just too much happening, and there's just all good stuff. But Jesus knew that his strength didn't come from himself, it came from God. Also, as you think about this, remember that when we skip prayer, when we skip communing with God, when we don't have time when God speaks to our hearts, and this is what God was doing to Jesus, we live our plan for our life. I believe when God spoke to Jesus, he just helped correct him again and said, you know, earthly kingdom is not in your plan. You're going to the cross. Remember, we talked about it in heaven. You're going to the cross. Just stay right in tune with God's plan. And I believe that's what happens when you and I pray. When we stop and listen to God, he will keep our plan straight ahead. We need to follow his example. Now, the disciples are headed out again. What's the goal? You'll see it on the overhead this morning. God wanted to exercise the faith of the disciples. Jesus knew that the disciples were going to be carrying on the ministry. It was going to be a very difficult task. They didn't have a clue yet, but they were going to be carrying on the ministry like you and I are. It was a great faith lesson that he was trying to teach his disciples as they headed in the boat without him. Jesus knew his ministry was coming rapidly to a close. And the disciples, they still didn't understand it. I read recently this. People are like tea bags. You have to put them in hot water before you know how strong they are. How many feel like you're in the hot water this morning? Somebody last night left and said, we're going to make sun tea. And, oh, okay, whatever. Let's look at the three steps that Jesus is going to use here in his wonderful exercise lesson this morning. Point number one, if your faith is going to be built and strengthened, number one, you have to obey. Look at chapter 6, verse 47. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he, Jesus, was alone on the land. Jesus had said to the disciples, get in the boat and go in the middle of the lake. What did they do? They got in the boat headed in the middle of the lake toward the other side. They obeyed. You see, if you're going to have strong faith, you have to obey. Now, the disciples didn't know why they were doing this, but they simply obeyed. Often, we don't know why God's doing things in our life. But it isn't a question, you don't have to question Him why. If He says to do it, just do it. 
because that's God's Word. Later on, as we look back, we see all the different areas why he did this. He doesn't tell you. He didn't tell the disciples, but he said to obey. Now, before you can obey, there's a step before that. You have to hear God. So you have to hear Him. And that's what we're doing this morning. That's what we're doing is we're going through the Word of God. As I go through the Word of God, the God will take the words and the verses that I'm talking about, and He'll go, bing, to your heart. And to be, you'll leave with something that God is speaking to you. See, His Word is alive. Did you know that? Why do you think people come? Why do you think the parking lot's full? Because His Word is what? Not dead, it's alive. Now, if we were teaching Psychology 101, we wouldn't have too many people here. Especially if we gave a test, we wouldn't have too many people here. But we're not teaching psychology. We're teaching His Word and it's alive. And it speaks to your heart and it will speak to your heart this morning. His Word does not return void. It is making an impact in your life. You might not even realize it, but it's making an impact in your life this morning. So the disciples heard God's Word and they left and they obeyed. So the disciples, they're, they're out, the sails up, and they're heading across the area that they're very familiar with. They don't know why they're doing this. They don't know why Jesus is on the shore, but they're just simply obeying. They're doing the right thing. Number two, trust. Keep the faith. Verse 48 says, And he saw his disciples doing what? Straining at the oars, because the wind was against them. You see, the Christian life is not a breeze. Some people predict, and when you come to Jesus Christ, they say, If you come to Jesus Christ, all your problems will be over. You just get on this little boat that's sailing to heaven. Put the sail up, you kick back, and pretty soon, a few years, you arrive. It's been a great trip, hasn't it? How many know that isn't true? Some of you haven't raised your hand. You're going to have a lot of people get saved, I guess, at the end, because you must not be Christians. <laughs> Notice what the verse says in 48. He saw his disciples straining at the oars. So he saw them what? Straining. Straining. Now the Greek word there is a very interesting word. The Greek word is this. It means to torture, to pain, toil, torment, vex, toss. So what happens is the disciples head out and instead of smooth sailing, they've encountered an obstacle. Now who put the obstacle there? God. You see, when we are in our lives, we think when tough times come, it must be Satan, and we cast him out of everything, but quite often it's God. Why? Because if you're going to have strong faith, it must be exercised. You see, God knows what your faith needs, and it changes in our lives. You see, we all need exercise. So, let's just do a little time frame. It's 6 p.m. about, and Jesus has said to the disciples, go to the other side. So they get in, put the sails up, and they're just kind of kicking back. There's no oars. It's going good. A little bit of a, maybe a little bit of a breeze in their face or whatever. And 7 o'clock, and it seems to be going good, and they're headed out. And, and then it's a 9 o'clock, and all of a sudden at 9 o'clock, they notice something different up there. Uh, it's gotten difficult. So what does that mean? It means the wind picked up. Now, it would be nice if the wind was blowing them where they were going, but the wind was blowing adversely against them so they take the sails down and that's when we see this sign that they're doing what they're rowing and just really struggling I mean really having a difficult time it's taking pain 
it's causing all their energy to be gone, and they're just really struggling when they're there. Now, about midnight, the scriptures tell us that they've been going now six hours. A couple of the other gospels tell us they're kind of in the middle, three or four miles out. And now they're going absolutely nowhere. They're struggling with everything they've got in them. Everything together. But they're absolutely going nowhere. Ever feel like that in your Christian walk? You see, these guys are tired. Now, I'd like to have a little recorder on board at midnight, wouldn't you? What do you think the disciples were saying about that time? Do you think they were saying, man, this Jesus, he's a good guy? Or do you think they might have been saying, what the heck are we doing out here? Where did this wind come from? Do you think you would have heard Peter on the recording at all? Oh, you would have heard Peter. I would have heard some of you guys. Here it comes, it isn't right, it isn't this, it isn't that, and this is what's happening. These guys were griping, they were complaining, they were blaming everybody else. Come on, pull harder, you're not pulling your load. You can imagine what's happening on there. Six hours, the last three or four, very strenuous. The disciples started the day already exhausted. You remember that? Way back in the morning, they were going to get rest, and Jesus took the boat, and they went over to get rest, and they came, and there's these 10,000 people. They haven't gotten rest. Now what? Six hours later, after all that day, and they're still in the middle of the night, and they're really exhausted. They're going nowhere. When that happens, when you're in a storm spiritually, and you're doing everything you can do, you're rowing, and you're just, God said to row, and so I'm rowing. I'm just staying with it. I'm coming to the services. I'm coming Sunday night. I'm ministering the kids out. I'm doing all this stuff. But man, things just aren't going right in my life. I mean, all these things are falling apart, and I just can't understand. Where is this guy? This is the very time when you're doing all this. This is the very time that Satan begins to come and whisper in your ear. You see, when you're tired and exhausted, here's what Satan's going to say. Two things. Number one, he's going to cause you to doubt God's word. Did God really say... And I'm supposed to uh, be out here? Man, it's tough. Yes, God did. And the second thing he's going to do, Satan's going to do, he's going to get you to doubt God's character. You see, I believe the disciples, as they were out there, began thinking, as you and I do, Satan will say things like this. You know, God doesn't even know you're out here. Or he'll say, God doesn't care. What kind of a God would send you out into a wind like that? When you're ready to give up, he'll say this. You might as well give up because God isn't going to come. He doesn't even care. He's not going to come and rescue you. You got yourself into the problem. God isn't coming. And what I find happening in many people's lives is that when they're in that moment, when it's a difficult time, Satan is whispering over here, and they're about ready to set the oar down. You see, if you set the oar down, in that storm, if they set the oar down, and they're just too tired, and they're mistrusting God now, what happens is, you now go with the flow. And the flow is always Satan's plan for your life, not God's. And the flow will always blow you off the course that God wants you to go to. You see, because God said, get in and go to the other side. And sometimes it just takes determination with his strength to just keep on doing the right thing. See, going with flow is equal to compromise in your life. Is it easier to put up the sail and go with flow? You better believe it is. But that's not what God wants in our life. And he was trying to strengthen the disciples' faith into saying there's going to be times when you want to just put down the oar. And you want to say, God, it's, 
I don't know. Maybe you're not even in this. Maybe you're not there. I thought you loved me. I thought you cared. But evidently you're not here. So I'm putting the oar down and I'm just going with the flow. I believe there's some of you here this morning are at that place. You've been struggling in your Christian walk. And the winds of adversity have come. Maybe it's a wind of adversity in your marriage. You don't know that you can go on. Maybe it's winds of adversity in a relationship. Money. God, where is this? I mean, I'm tithing, I'm giving. Why this storm? You don't care, do you really, God? It's no use. I might as well just go with the flow. Maybe it's a drug problem that you're tempted to go back to. Maybe an old lust problem. The internet has grabbed out at you again and you're saying, God, this is too big. I'm afraid I'm going to just go back. And you're ready to set the oar down. Maybe you've been hurt in another church. You come in here. Maybe you've been hurt in this church. You see, we have a tremendous amount of hurts in our lives. And Satan says, nobody cares. Look at the way those people treat All those years you did that there. Look how you worked in the kids' ministry and did this and that. Nobody noticed. Man, and we bring our hurts into the service. And Satan goes, you know what? You do better out of here because this place reminds you of hurts. Just put it down and go with the flow. I want to say to you this morning, don't put it down. Just keep rowing. Just keep rowing. And we're going to see this morning that when these disciples are discouraged, they're at this place, it's a dangerous place to be in your spiritual life. You see, Satan's a liar. All the stuff he whispers in your are lies. And we'll see this morning the character of God. Now, this boat is also a great picture, I believe, of the church as a whole. There's some of you in the church this morning who have been here for a while. And you've come now, and you're just going along for the ride. You grace us with your presence on Sunday morning. We never see you again. You're not involved in any ministry. You see, you're leaving the rest of us out there doing what? Rowing the boat. And there's faithful people that are rowing the boat. I want to say to you this morning, if you've gone along for the ride and you're coasting, and you're floating, grab an oar, would you, this morning? We need your help. God needs your help. He didn't design the boat to row with three people. He designed the boat to row with every one of you with an oar. Whatever gift you have, get in there. Now, some of you are older people, and you've been in the ministry a while, and you finally said, man, I'm putting that sucker down. Let some of them young people do that. I've rowed enough. Hey! Pick it up. We need your wisdom. You have tremendous resource. And here's what I find that's very interesting. If you're going along for the ride, and there are times when we have to do that. I realize that. But normally, we should be all rowing together, right? That's what unity is about. It's rowing together. See, I don't gain anything from somebody else's rowing. I have to row myself for exercise. And the way exercise is serve. You grab an oar and you go, okay, here's where I'm at. All these kids over here in this ministry, whatever, whatever, the parking lot, man, do we, we need help? Usher, whatever it is, get out there and do it. Satan says, eh, don't worry about it. God isn't finished with us. He needs us. Number three, keep obeying, keep trusting, keep the faith. Look at verse 48. And about the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them. Jesus went out to them. The fourth watch of the night would have been between like 3 and 6 a.m., the disciples have been fighting the water and the waves and the wind for about nine hours. You see, this is where it gets difficult. This is where we say our muscles are aching. It just looks like we can't go on. 
we're ready to give up, this is where you have to keep obeying. You have to keep trusting. You have to keep the faith. And you say to God, I need your help. And we're going to see here during these last few hours how our strength is really brought forth. You see, when you're lifting that weight and it's your last rep and you go, I can't lift that sucker one more time. If you just do it, man, that gives you that extra strength. It's that time when Satan really tempts us to throw the towel in. Let me show you God's character in four ways that he's going to show to the disciples here. Number one, God knows. Verse 48, you remember, said this. Jesus saw his disciples straining at the oars. This morning, God is in control of every circumstance in your life. There is nothing happening in your life this morning that's a surprise to God. You say, well, I'm going to just come to church and and stick my little test right in there, and he doesn't know who I am. Oh, no. He knows who you are. We may not, but he does. He knows the test that you've just finished, the one that you're going through. He knows exactly where you are. There's no surprises to God. He's sovereign. And the difficulty comes when we understand that. It's, see, God knows how to test my faith. Romans says, all things work together for good. Notice it doesn't say all things are good, because they're not. But they work together for good to those who are following his purpose. You see, God knows how to test us. Now, there's only one exception to this. If you're here this morning and you're living in outright sin and rebellion, don't blame God for the adverse circumstances in your life. You're the cause of that. The scripture says that the wicked people suffer because of their sin. They suffer. And so if you're going through a storm today, but you're living in sin, don't go out and rebuke the enemy. Confess your sin and get back to God. Because what you're doing is God is allowing, even though this is his love, he's allowing these circumstances to come into your life to make it so miserable, you're finally going to say, I'm not doing right. I better get back to God. So, in this case, though, there is no sin from the disciples. They're obeying God, but they're out here in the middle of a storm, and they wonder why this is happening. It's because God is testing them. He's trying to teach them. He's trying to prepare them. He's trying to make them men and women of faith. And here's the outgo. Christians, he wanted Christians who are confident and calm and able to cope with all of life. So as you're, and you and I are working through the storms of life, and they come in different ways, and different adversity, and different times, and see, you this morning might be out there, and you might be going, hey, this Christian walk has been pretty good. I haven't seen any storms yet. I've been a Christian 20 years, and nothing adverse has come in my life. You don't have an oar in your hand. You're floating. You see, if nothing adverse has come in your life, then Satan's already got you. You're no use in the kingdom of God. You're going with the flow. And that's what the problem with most of the church is. They're not on fire for Jesus Christ. You realize how close we are to the end of this world? Huh? What are you talking about? Do you mean this world's going to end? Yes, it is, my friend. And everybody that doesn't know Jesus Christ is going to spend hell and eternity. You say, well, why do you get excited about that? Because we're responsible for you to know that. Each and every one of us will experience hard times. That point was made clear in today's teaching. And during those times, it's easy to call them trials, testings, or even someone else's fault. But as Pastor Mark stated, we have to be willing to look at ourselves. Perhaps it was us. 
It was our own sin that put us in the situation we're facing. But regardless of the reason for your troubles, the solution is the same. Cry out to the Father and ask Him to show you the way. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark will remind us that God is faithful and that we can always put our trust in Him. We'll learn from our reading that God is in control of everything, and He knows everything. He can see the beginning from the end. So why do we doubt Him? Why do we become fearful? Don't we believe in the promises of our Heavenly Father? Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.